This is Age of Treason Radio. With your host, Tan Stoffel. Calling out the cuckery. The term cuckservative is shaking up the American political discourse. It originated outside the corporate Judaized mainstream in reaction to the destructive, destabilizing, degenerate policies of the anti-white, pro-Jew regime. Cuckservative is an insult, an accusation, an indictment aimed at those who participate in this poisonous regime by those of us who are sick and tired of being poisoned. Cuckservative has gained traction so quickly because it strikes a big, fat, pulsing white nerve. The term is an expression of white racial grievance. It has crystallized and brought forth decades worth of pent-up white anger, resentment at being lied to and betrayed by white political leaders who have been going along to get along, dog-whistling whatever they have to to get elected, and then giving the country away to aliens people whose thoughts and desires and behaviors are so different from ours that they alienate us, even when they're not physically hostile and dangerous to us. There are many aspects of the term conservative and the reaction it's creating that are good and indicate a shift in a positive direction for whites. There are also a few aspects that cause some concern. On the good side, the conservatives and their cuckers haven't yet figured out how to effectively deflect or diffuse the accusation. The main response has been no response. The relatively few defenses have so far been along the lines of, that's racist. This is coming from white supremacists, which only confirms the charge that conservatives and the system they serve are anti-white. Another type of reaction, the insinuation or counter-accusation that the term is being pushed by liberals reflects the blinkered bunker mentality that afflicts those whites who continue to work within the anti-white regime. They so want to keep on working within it that they pretend it's all it really exists. The term conservative is breaking through and spreading through white minds faster and more broadly than other explicit attempts to craft language to express white interests has been. Bob Whitaker's mantra, which has been spreading gradually for years, was too wordy and ironically stated. Even the more recent shorter slogans expressing the same basic sentiments, the anti-racism as a code word for anti-white and uh, to fight white genocide, just haven't spread as quickly as conservative has. I think these other terms have helped, and they've prepared the ground, and they'll probably enjoy more use going forward. Many whites don't want to be discriminated against for being white, that's clear, but they also aren't yet willing to identify positively as white. The polarization created by the term conservative will surely encourage more whites to see that they do have a racial identity and that they do have racial interests more will find the nerve to say, yes, I'm white and I'm angry because I can see that the media, the schools, the laws, the government 
The whole system is anti-white. It has been working against me and my kind. That's not right, and it's got to go. I'm also glad about this word, conservative, because I think it takes the wind out of the sails of white pathology. That's the truly pathological idea that whites are a race of cat ladies, that we're driving ourselves to extinction because our ancient altruistic hunter-gatherer personality traits are reasserting themselves, causing us to want to smile as we give everything over to the hostile alien invaders flooding our former homelands. White pathology is the idea that we're doing this to ourselves, or at least that we're literally programmed to be exploited by others, that it's in our DNA. The attack on conservatives demolishes this white pathology suicide meme in two ways. First, if it wasn't already obvious that many whites oppose the anti-white regime, the popularity of the conservative attack demonstrates that the white opposition is broader than many of us imagined. So no, we're not a race of cat ladies. Second, it takes two or more to cuck. Cuckservatives, uh, and the term cuckservative, better fits the reality than cat lady does, in the same way that genocide better fits the reality than suicide does. The leaders who are selling out and betraying us aren't cat ladies either. They're not impoverishing themselves, serving nameless, faceless, agentless cats. They're enriching themselves personally, by serving the interests of anyone and everyone but whites, other people who have every day more freely express their own vibrant, non-white, anti-white racial identity. The word cuck evokes the biological roots of this injustice, the despicable, disgusting, deplorable, exploitative nature of the crime. I've made the argument many times that parasitism is a more accurate term for what's happening, a more accurate model. Cuckholding is just one aspect of parasitism, one type of parasitism. Cuckholding hints at sexual deviance, and it gives perverts a cheap thrill, whereas parasitism more completely encompasses the sick, subversive, collective nature of the phenomenon. The infiltration, the manipulation, and exploitation of one group for the benefit of another. So on the downside, the term conservative is not as clear or racially explicit as parasitism or white genocide. In fact, it's more popular because of that, because it offers some wiggle room for the merely less squishy whites to point their finger at the more squishy whites and say, they're the problem. Some whites are using conservative only because they think that they can tell themselves and their critics that really... We're not racist. They're just upset about their money being given away or their Christian values being trashed by other white people. See, it's not racist. They're, they're just blaming other white people. In other words, they're not really conscious of their racial interests, much less, less that they have racial enemies. Another reason the term is so popular and another downside is because it plugs into the mental mold of the existing system. It focuses attention on just one half of the left-right liberal conservative, two faces of the same single party that is Judeo-liberal democracy. There are, in fact, white cuckies and Jew cuckers 
in both halves of the anti-white pro-Jew system. The left side is certainly more explicitly anti-white, and it is the increasing obviousness of this hostility which has brought the anger at conservatives uh, to a head because they're seen as capitulating to this obvious enemy. There is a false impression, though, which is uh, only reinforced uh, by the par- partisan roots of this word conservative, that the source of the hostility is the left, that it arises more from some abstract ideological wonkery rather than from an inherent and implacable racial animus. The white traitors on the left are just more out of the closet about it, really. As Robert Frost put it way back in 1961, a liberal is a man too broad-minded to take his own side in a quarrel. And that captures a good part of this cuck mentality. We could call white liberals cuckerels to match cuckservatives, but from what I've seen, the terms libtard and shitlib are already far more popular. There's also some ambiguity to the term cuck, which isn't good. Calling someone a cuck could be taken to imply that they're a victim, that they're the one being harmed. In the strict biological sense of the word, you're only being cuckolded if it's your resources being taken and used to benefit another. That sense of the word technically fits someone like Jeb Bush, who married an anti-white mestiza, better than it fits a mere closeted queer rhino like Lindsey Graham. But in both cases, the outrage aimed at these two conservatives and others like them is collective, not personal. The politicians being called cucks are being accused mainly of giving away other people's resources, the resources of their partisan base or their race, but not their own. Which brings me to the last nit I have to pick with the term conservative. It mistakenly implies the traitor is weak, effeminate. In this way, it is similar to the cat lady slur. It's easy to mock and taunt weaklings. They don't fight back. But when you call these traitors out, calling them cuck works well enough to do that, they will fight. Generally speaking, these men and women who rose to where they are in the poisonous anti-white environment because they have a lack of racial loyalty and a lack of scruples, not because they lack the will to seek and hold fast to personal power. Still, as powerful as they may seem, the white traders aren't running the show. As I've just pointed out, they're generally self-interested individuals. They aren't really any more loyal to each other or to their party or its abstract ideology than they are to white voters. They aren't in cahoots with each other, either. The old boys' club of white supremacy is long gone, not much more than a figment of the Jewish imagination at this point. It lives on in the imaginations of others, mainly because of the propaganda that the Jews produce and distribute via media and academia. What's so demoralizing about the whites at the top is that even the ones who aren't actively selling out are keeping their mouths shut. They know that to even say something sympathetic about whites as a group is racist, so they don't. You occasionally hear someone say that conservatives or other white politicians are just afraid of being called names like racist. That is inaccurate. A good part of their motivation is fear of pain. They fear being punished. They fear being ostracized. 
It isn't pain alone, and it isn't a desire for power, fame, or fortune alone. It's both. It's carrot and stick. The Jews are the ones wielding the carrots and the sticks. The Jews aren't cucked. The Jews aren't white. The Jews are the ones who are organized, who are have always been organized as a group. They've been organized and aggressing against whites from within white societies for millennia. The Jews are the source of the racial animus against whites. The cucker is not the left or the right, but the Jews who fund and dictate the policies of both sides of the system. That's why it's not just an anti-white system, but it's really a pro-Jew system. That's why the one unshakable principle that none of the white cucks, left or right, dare to question is Jewish privilege. Jewish power is so thoroughgoing and secure inside America that Jews have for decades been able to control American foreign policy to the painfully obvious benefit of Israel, a foreign ethnostate of Jews, by Jews, and for Jews. In the 1980s, the well-known conservative William F. Buckley purged Joe Sabrun from conservatism, specifically for being insufficiently respectful of the Jews in Israel. Since then, Jewish power has only grown. Nowadays, every significant politician from every Western country, sooner or later, makes a pilgrimage to Israel to pay symbolic tribute to their Jewish overlords. Some of the people tossing around the conservative charge don't realize this yet, uh, but the reason that the term is bound to cause a real backlash at some point from the regime isn't because it embarrasses the traitors or upsets the blacks or the browns. It will be because it displeases the Jews. The charge that white politicians are ignoring or betraying white political interests is a direct challenge to the Jews and their narrative. Under the current zeitgeist, whites aren't supposed to advocate for their interests as a group. That's racist. If you do so with any hint that you understand that the Jews are your real opponents, and they're not just standing in the way, but they're the ones who are actively deconstructing and destroying white racial interests, then you're a Nazi. Now, everybody knows the Jewish narrative, that racists and Nazis are not just wrong, but crazy and evil, too. But the ones at the top also know that the first rule of Jewish rule is that nobody talks about Jew rule. The notion that the Jews and their interests are at the crux of it all, and all this cucking business, is already visible in some of the articles and comments about it. This may grow. I hope it does. That would be good for whites. The traders certainly know who's got the carrots and sticks. Super conservative Mike Huckabee just recently provided an excellent example of, of both the dominant and unspeakable nature of the Jews' narrative and power. Huckabee tried to explain how he objects to the recent U.S. nuclear agreement with Iran because he thinks it's bad for the Israelis. And he used the Jewish Holocaust narrative when he did that. And he was immediately upbraided by Debbie Wasserman Schultz, a Jewish politician from the left. His crime, apparently, was using terms that the Goyim aren't supposed to use, even in the service of the Jews. She actually demanded an apology. Politicians who aren't traitors also know about Jewish power. 
They also understand that there are penalties for speaking against it. From France, there is news that the nationalist politician Jean-Marie Le Pen is going to be prosecuted, again, for confronting the primacy of the Jews and their narrative. Quoting from a story in The Independent, The decision to prosecute followed the aging politician's comments on French television in April when he said, quote, Gas chambers were a detail of the war, unless we accept that the war is a detail of the gas chambers, unquote. He responded to the new charges by referring to the recent public protests that followed the Muslim attack on Charlie Hebdo. He said, quote, I thought that millions of French people had marched for freedom of expression. I thought that included the right to blaspheme. And this is blasphemy, isn't it? It is, after all, an almost religious point, unquote. But that's the moral of the Jewish narrative, that the Jews are paragons of virtue, that what they say goes. They're the highest moral authority. Thus it's right that they should dictate what's good and bad, what's allowed and what's not allowed. The white race traders say and do what the Jews tell them to, even if it makes for something that looks like a glaring contradiction. Arguing open borders and multicult for the U.S., and security and ethnic homogeneity for the Jewish state, for example. Whether any of them actually believe the fairy tales the Jews tell or not, they know the Jews will punish them if they misbehave. That threat and the fear it inspires is what looms behind all the cucking. Heritage that once was yours and mine. 